everyone this is zach this is triple play fantasy beyond the analyst we're back again for episode 23 so if you have missed the first 22 episodes go ahead and subscribe to our youtube channel or follow on the podcast catch up on all those but today i'm joined by the great jim mccormick how are you doing today jim doing well i uh, love being called great that's always a good start you know <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm glad we're off to a good start and if for those who have not listened to any of the prior episodes please like i said don't miss those, but we're not going to ask Jim about his fantasy takes today. Um, I'm sure you have lots of great takes, um, and it's the off season right now for most sports. So I just want to get to know you a little bit more. We're just going to have some fun uh, talking about you. So I know you are the fantasy football and fantasy basketball analyst for ESPN. Um, so did you play any sports growing up? Uh, I played basketball, um, but I went to a Quaker school, so there was no – we used to have this T-shirt that said, like, undefeated in football since 1850, <laughs> just because we weren't allowed to play football there, um, just based on, like, Quaker, you know, the ethos of just peace. But I played uh, lacrosse, so that's as much violence as we were allowed to have. But uh, I played hoops. Thankfully, I can say that I went to this school, Friend Central, in around Philly, because then when I was there, we weren't very good. But then like, shortly after, they got like several NBA players. Like Hakeem Warwick went there. The guy DeAndre Hunter for the Hawks went there. So now I can like say I went there and it's cool. So but, like 20 years ago, we were terrible. But uh, mostly a hooper. Um, but I loved football. I grew up with like the Reggie White, uh, Buddy Ryan Eagles. So I thought football was like a blood sport when I grew up because like I was used to like the body bag game, like the – I, 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 and like, you know, you're a Cowboys fan. Like, I, I remember, like, it just felt very important. Like, it felt more important than it should have, I guess, like, in a good way. And that's what really, I guess, like, my football fandom was maybe stronger than my basketball fandom as a kid, but even though I was a, a hoop player, because of where I grew up, too, you know? Yeah, definitely a lot of, a lot of pride in Philadelphia for the, for the Eagles. Team. Shame so and pride. Yeah. yeah, it's a good mix, you know, like, <laughs> Shameful pride. There you go. Exactly. It's pretty. It's a good. Uh, it's a good way to, to wrap up Philadelphia in general. Shameful <laughs> pride. So perfect. Uh, so, what led you to becoming a writer and an analyst of fantasy sports? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like anybody, I was a gamer first, right? Um, like speaking of the cap, like those old things. Like not to always date myself, but like my first draft. I'm I'm 42, so my first draft was in 91, and it was 92, and I drafted Emmett Smith second overall because Barry Sanders went first and everybody was just like in the room was like you're you drafted a cowboy you're the worst person but I saw it as like he's in a great position you know like so I was already kind of agnostic um and I was able to separate it was always funny how mainstream media like it's oh that this thing's over now but you know when we first came into fantasy there was this kind of uh, kind of fake conflict right of between being a real fan and a fantasy fan as if you couldn't like separate the two but what I'm trying to say is that, like, I, I knew that that divergence existed from day one because I didn't like Emmett Smith, but I was like, he might have 20 touchdowns. Um, so I started playing fantasy in the early 90s, but I didn't really get into it, like, seriously until the late 90s. There was this game called Small World, and it was a cap-based game. It was an investment game where we eat you everybody had $50,000 of, of budget. And you would invest in, sh in any NBA player, Shaq, anybody, and then sell them back to the market at the price that they were in demand later. So really, if you were really good at just like highlighting good rookies and young players, you may, and, they, and I ended up like fourth out of like a pool of like thousands of people. Because I also spent an inordinate amount of time on a free game that came with no rewards other than a leaderboard, right? Like, but my point being, um, that's was my hook, was like this idea that like, 
And I'm not going to lie. There is like a, it was pre screenshot, but there was something about like, holy crap, that's my name. Like I, you know, I did well in this little world. It was called small world. And then, um, Yahoo bought that and kind of ruined it. Like no offense to Yahoo, but like they just, it, they didn't know how to handle the game. But then what happened was in the early 2000s, Matt Berry had like this Yahoo group that was called the Talented Mr. Roto. And he would have these like writing contests and like some good writers came out of it. Like Chris Harris was a couple, like one Brad Harris, one run, won one of these contests. Um, I was with Will Brinson in one. Um, and because I have like an incredibly huge Irish Catholic family and stuff, the ballot, I won this writing contest against Will Brinson and was able to then write fantasy football for Matt Berry, like, but for a nominal fee, but this was like when he was still writing Hollywood or he was still in California. And in any case, um, and this can speak to later about, I mean, like how to like angle yourself into the industry, but like, I just like was like, um, willing to do any nerdy position they wanted. And, you know, like you'd mentioned to me off air before, like somebody wanted you to talk about the Jaguars once and you were like, well, damn, I have to do this, I guess. I found that I was like going to find my fit with these guys wherever they needed. I was, I became like a utility man. And in some ways that was my path, but I think everybody has their path, you know, but for me, it was just like, they needed an IDP guy and I did naturally already play IDP. And this was like 2005 when people, that was even more niche. And, um, that helped because Matt Barry was like, I don't know who the hell the safety is. You know what I mean? For, you know, and I could tell him everything about these depth charts cause I'm a nerd. And uh, so I guess dynasty football really was a big thing that helped me because I was into a IDP dynasty league before kind of not before anybody. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, but before these guys, you know, so even among these nerds, they were like, give it to that nerd. So I was able to get like IDP stuff and fantasy basketball stuff that was more fringe. So even in that first job, like Matt Barry one day was like, yo, do you want to write for NBA.com? And I was like, yeah. And it was like 75 bucks a week, which is great, but it was two columns. It was a lot of work. But I was writing for NBA.com because at that time, NBA.com, Matt Barry's biggest thing was that he used to be able to find that, like, these big companies really didn't have anybody that knew about fantasy. You know, like, NBA.com had nobody writing fantasy. And then we found out there was a huge audience. So that's a long way to say that, like, as a fan, I got lucky on a message board and then stuck with somebody who knew what they were doing. So That's awesome. So, And eventually you transitioned, I guess, from your career before to, like, because you're full-time with ESPN, correct? <laughs> Yeah, well, and I'm transitioning eventually into education, actually, myself now, um, but I'm still with ESPN, and I just, like, my season, f you know, it's interesting, too, because, like, the fantasy industry is changing, in the, in, and it's becoming merged, and even at ESPN, I can say this, we merged our verticals of betting and fantasy, whereas they used to be, like, separate, not to say they're the same thing, but editorially, we, like, hit on a lot of the same stuff, right? We care about ankle injuries, we care, you know what I mean? Like, we care about, like, the outcomes, how they influence the games, right? And so... For example, I just finished with basketball because I was writing the betting columns for NBA or like helping write them. And that wasn't true before. I used to finish my NBA season in April, right? Because the, the regular season was over. So like pre-DFS and pre-legalization uh, you know, pre of, of, of the online game, it's like – so it's just interesting that like, you know, fantasy now, DFS and sports betting, they're not all the same. You can work in this in these – but it is becoming blended. And that's one of the ways to, I think to get into the industry too is just like – not to become a better, but I'm saying be fluent in some of these languages that they want. It's like there's new languages, right? Like, so um, th that's that's basically like the adaptability that they want you to do. You, but we all are adapting, right? Like, I wasn't putting in ten, you know, fifty lineups every Sunday, five, you know, ten years ago. You know, I didn't know what that meant. 
you know, so we learn how to play the game. And I think that's part of what we're doing as analysts. Like we're learning the game and we're trying to help other people get better at it. That's right. I think some people forget because, I mean, we kind of recency bias, but it wasn't that long ago that, I mean, especially on the big networks, like you didn't talk about betting during oh, no. the games, right? Like, like that was very taboo. And yeah. now we're always talking about the, the over and unders and up. Oh, we, we hit the over. Oh, no, we, we missed it. Or uh, Yeah, my first fantasy convention, I remember, was in like 2008. And like, I remember Matt Barry told me to come, like it could be worthwhile, like to pick up gigs too. Like for me, like even though I was writing for him and it was like in a small, and it was in Chicago and it was cool, but it was a small ballroom. It was like 50 dudes, like doing a mock draft, you know what I mean? Like trying to figure out like if Chris Cooley had running back eligibility, like, you know what I mean? Like just being nerds. But my point is now it's like the, it's an entire convention center. So just the game has changed. And there's, and that's the thing back then, CBS and all these companies and ESPN, they didn't know what to do with it. And it's clear, and the fans have shown them that, like, it's all we care about. Like, not all we care about, but, like, I'll, I can say this, too. Like, nothing drives. Like, when they come and talk to us at a fantasy meeting, like, a big a higher up, like, nothing drives. And this doesn't surprise you, but nothing drives interest, like, fantasy content. Like, and I think what perplexed people, too, was, like, how do you merge mainstream comp content with fantasy content? It You don't have to. Like, we're, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to, like, spin it like that, like, somebody's, like, suspension is fantasy relevant. Just tell us, you know what I mean? Like, it is fantasy relevant. You know what I mean? Like, they were trying to figure out, like, how to, like, frame it. And they were, like, kind of, like, sp- like you know, like, they didn't know how to talk about it. You don't have to. Like, just just don't ignore it, right? You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference. Yeah. So uh, We've definitely come a long way, which is We great. have. It's exciting. We have. Yeah, now Al Michaels doesn't have to pretend anymore about betting. <laughs> you know, like, like it's great. Yeah. So... <laughs> And now I'm not going to make you choose a, a favorite. That's like choosing your favorite kid. Um, but do you have a preferred fantasy sport that you like to play? I love fantasy basketball, but it's not my favorite. I still think fantasy football is like the OG. Just like the one day, not one day because we have Mondays, but you know what I mean? Like the, the condensed rush of it. And like, I don't know, man. I just love the feeling of like, I, my league doesn't talk as much trash as it used to in my main league, but it used to be really, really fun. And not that it is anymore, but you know, kids and all these things, they change things. But you know, when you're like, you're getting crushed at like 145, and the other guy has his whole lineup playing and the whole world seems like it's over. And then like at three, at like three, at like 330, it's a different world or like at like 445, the world feels different. And that's a sickness, but it's also incredible. Like the rushes and like, I've never been a big better in the way that we were talking, but like, I do bet, don't get me wrong, but what I'm saying is, like, I, I, I can get enough of the volatility and the rush out of fantasy football without kind of needing the, the – I don't feel, feel the need to restake all the time, like, in games, because fantasy football alone is just such an investment, especially when – not just when things are going well, but, like, when things – you know, the variance of it all, like, you know, like, em- embrace the variance kind of stuff. Like, you know, there's going to be those terrible days, but sometimes it's awesome. Those comeback Sunday night wins, that stuff. You know, yeah. nothing beats that for me. Oh, there's nothing more exciting and more stressful than needing a Monday Night Miracle. And oh, yeah. Like, and getting I'm, it or. Oh, yeah. Or if it's like a late, like the game goes really late and you're like, I really should go to bed so I can yeah. function tomorrow. But you're like, yeah. I can't sleep not knowing if I'm going to yeah. win or not or if I'm going to lose. And then so. your buddy sends you that like terrible, like you win text. You're like, it's just, yeah. like, you're like, yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I love that. And now you mentioned before IDP and Dynasty. Yeah. Um, do you have a preferred type of league? I mean, I know where I'm sure you're probably league agnostic, but. <laughs> Do you yeah, have a favorite? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't, like traditional fantasy is still awesome to me. Like, I love just playing, like, one of my favorite leagues every year is this Jake Seeley Flex League, just because, like, it's, like, real old school. There's no kicker, but, like, otherwise, it's, like, real old school. Um, not old school. I mean, it's PPR, but I'm just saying, like, it's not, 
it's not difficult to figure out, right? Like every year, like you know where the value lies. Um, but I suppose um, I, if I'm going to be like helpful to my IDP brethren, like I like a league that has some balance as opposed to if I'm going to, I don't like team defense. It's not that I don't like it. It's fine. It's just that it has just as much inherent volatility, maybe not as much, but comparable volatility to the kicker. Because we're just like choosing this unit, you know what I mean? And we're basically waiting for for splash plays. Um, and and you can say that about IDP, but like we're getting so much, not we, but like the football community is getting so much better at kind of like knowing who's where on the football field and defense and like knowing who's getting the tackles that not all linebackers are the same. So it's just more minutiae. You're just letting me dive into more cool stuff. You know, I look at it as cool stuff. And like, I just think it also incentivizes um, – the nerd and nerd just means somebody who's super into something, right? So like it incentivizes the person who wants to grind. So sometimes I don't want the league to be too deep. I was in a league one time that was like way too hardcore and like meaning it just was too much for me, but like they were like, we were setting alignments and it mattered and it was just too much for me on a Sunday morning. Like, but I do like, so I kind of, what I'm trying to say is I like enough complication that like you need to grind, but I also don't want it to be like filing a tax return. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Yeah. It, at the end of the day, it's all about having fun. So yeah, so like that six is to eight for, defenders. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. And now, um, so you're a great recurring guest on the Harris Fantasy Football Podcast. You, you mentioned Chris Harris before. Um, so you guys have a running gag about the underscore in your Twitter handle. Yeah. So obviously, you are the Baron of the underscore, um, right? But is there an actual origin story to the underscore, or is this just a, a complete yeah. amazing gag? It's just a gag. Like, it's off the top. Like, he just one day was making fun of me for having an underscore. So I tried to provide value to it and say, like, well, there's a reason. Like, you can't, it's not just an underscore, bro. Like, I profit on Like, there's, like, it's inherent in my character that I need it. Like, if I didn't have it, I wouldn't be making money. And really, what it is, is there's just some guy, Jimmy McCormick, who tweeted once in like 2008 and said, like, what up, Twitter world? And then never tweeted again. And I'm like, can you, can I get that name, bro? And like, you know, like Twitter used to say that they were going to like free up names and then it just never happened because I guess too many lawsuits. And long story short, I had the underscore and Chris was just like kind of busting me about it one day and I just made it, I empowered myself. And now he's the one who loves it because he keeps going off on it. But like, it just, I just riff on it. Like none of it's, obviously it's just all goofy, but uh, you know, Chris is just goofy and he, he he's He's I like I like what he does too because to speak to like getting into fantasy, he like really leaned into who he is to make his brand. Like ESPN, he did really well there. He was at ESPN for a long time, but then like he gets to just do his film stuff and he doesn't have to satisfy other you know what I mean? Like he doesn't want to like try to do he like I'll bring up stats and he'll laugh at me. Like now I think I have I think it's it's right to discuss stats right like it's not crazy to talk about like a terrible offensive line and yards per contact and stuff and he's like no you know he's like that is a crutch argument and it's ridiculous but at the same time we need those different perspectives right because otherwise we would all just be using dude we'd all be using the same spreadsheet right you know what i mean like yeah like we'd all just be drafting the same players so like sometimes he's wrong sometimes he's right but i love that like he has a reason behind it so yeah. you know so but not to get on to chris harris but i'm saying like we made that thing up, but there's something fun about being on a show with somebody who's willing to make fun of you. So, like, yeah, no, and I love you know. it. It's part of your your walk up music for the show now. Which is yeah, great. no, he's a goofball. Uh, so, but now I I don't know if you want to tell him this because I did a little research um on on Barons, but apparently it's like the lowest level of nobility. Okay. Um, so, 
take that for what for what you want. But <laughs> but that's but that's also kind of you know where I where I do my dirtiest work, like on the outer rings. You know what I mean? You, you, you that's where the side that deals are made. Yeah. That's where the side deals are made, bro. <laughs> Perfect. But I appreciate you sharing that story. Yeah, I, I I love that podcast, and I was yeah, he's hilarious. a good time, and he's that's what I'm saying. He's a community, or like I love the established the run guys. Like I love mm-hmm. how goofy they are. Like all the sh- you know, just that's the thing about the fantasy football community. We're a bunch of goofballs. So. Yeah. <laughs> That is very true. And speaking of the fantasy football community, um, there's a lot of new content creators out there or even people thinking about starting in the fantasy space. I think, I mean, for as terrible as COVID has obviously been, I think it also gave a lot of people time at home to maybe focus on some some different hobbies or or try their hand at something. So you work for one of the largest sports media companies. I know most people can't relate to that, but do you have any advice for any of those new content creators that are just starting out? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I've dabbled in startups and all kinds of stuff like that throughout my career too. You know, like, I mean, I've seen the, the, um, I've been in the corporate side, but also like the startup and trying to get your voice outside. Um, but in any case, I mean, there's no single answer, of course. Right. Like, but like what you said, I think about COVID in terms of how it kind of helped people look, not help people, but it kind of like forced people in some ways to look a little inward and like pursue their passions and dabble to keep yourself going and to, to also, like you said, flex different muscles. I think the main thing is, like, it sounds it's such a corny thing, but it's just like passion. You have to really care and it's going to come through. But like, I've been in the game a long time and not that it means I'm great. I'm saying, but I've seen, it's cool because I've seen some people start. Like, I remember like when Matt Harmon had like, you know, just like a couple thousand followers and that's, and meaning, and he was building his voice, but it's a very unique voice. And he wasn't like, he wasn't being, like, it wasn't, there was nothing phony about it. It was just this authentic attempt to like frame the game. Now he had a great angle with, with the reception perception, but I just think that like a lot of people who come up now who like people, you see who people break in, they have some level of authority to their voice or some to their, like, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean you have to invent a metric. I'm not saying that I'm saying, um, I think like you have to have like some level of authenticity of how much you care and some level of authority with the information that you're wielding. You know what I mean? Like, one of my favorite analysts is 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 um, you know, is Rich Rebar at 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 uh, with with Sharp, and he's been everywhere, you know. But like, he's like super humble about it, but he he commands information really well, and I just think that's what. I, so the, my best way to say it would be like, um, this word expert's ridiculous. Like, there's no expert, but but I think what it is is expertise is not a made up word. It's like care and become good at it and there are and i guess maybe in some ways like not that you always have to choose the left field be different thing but just you have to workshop it and get good at it like i don't think this is one of those things where like there's nothing like that where you're great right away but i think it's one of those things where you like give it like don't like quit if your first thing isn't hitting you know so i don't know and get your voice out there that's the best part there's so many podcasts there's so many different ways so i'm all over the place but my main point would be like to establish like some level of authority and like basically what i'm saying is when people listen to you they have to feel like they learned something so like i think some people what i'm trying to say is like adam levitan for example is a really good communicator and like he might be a he is a great gamer right like he's but his best thing is he can just explain it to you really quickly like guys this is why baltimore is a problem and whereas it might take me 10 minutes to get that out you know what I mean? So, like, kind of, I guess what my thing is try to identify what you're good at. You know what I mean? And it's because, like, I don't think it, it used to be, they used to tell me, like, be good at everything. Like, do video, podcast, all this shit. Like, I don't know about that, bro. Like, you know, like, 
I don't think everybody can be a data scientist and a podcaster. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all these different things. Find something you're good at and see if it can make an impact, right? Like, I think that's kind of it. Like, for example, Chris's thing is he watches more film than anybody else would want to. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's these people who are like film grinders and then there's Chris watching like like every game twice. Yeah, that's different. You know what I mean? Like, so, or like... I keep saying these names, but like Brad Evans, like he just like, he's like loud and screams a lot and he's funny, but like, that's, he'll tell you that's his style. Like, so, you know, um, just bring something to the table, I guess. Right. Like, it's also like, think about it this way, like in your leagues, it is a little bit differentiator die, isn't it? Like, especially in like a tough fantasy league, like you kind of have to do something a little different sometimes. You have to try to make some, if, if, if stuff's not working. So I don't know. I kind of would take that approach. No, I like that. I think it's, it really does, like you said, come down to passion. Like, yeah. if you don't really believe what you're saying or care about what you're saying, no one else is going to believe you. We'll know um, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's a great, great – and like you said, you just got to stick with it. I mean, it, it's a process. Yeah. It takes time. It is. So, yeah, no, I, and I, I think like be you. I think, like, meaning, like, not the – like, saying, like, people will know it too, right? Like, and mm-hmm. you'll find that you'll find your audience. Yeah. No, that's great. I appreciate that. And – that was kind of the last of my, we'll call them the serious questions, if you will. Sure. I have some uh, rapid fire questions if you're game. Go for it. Awesome. So these are all Philly themed, if you will. Um, you can add it. as much context or as little context. It can be one word if you want. Whatever sure. you need to, 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 to answer the question. Sure, sure. All right. First one. Do you trust the process? I do trust the process. And I, pre- I trust process over results as, as a theory, as an as a operating theory, especially in fantasy. Because... Man, the results can really throw you off sometimes, can't they? <laughs> Especially in fantasy. Yes. <laughs> so where is the best cheesesteak? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I lived in Roxborough for a while in Philadelphia, so there's this place, Delisandro's, that like gets the sleeper run a lot. Um, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be like a tourist and say the gym's on south. Just because it's greasy and I I just kinda like it. Like and it's like the of the big names, it's the one that I would go to. Awesome. And then what is in your favorite cheesesteak? Um, I'm doing, I'm, 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 I'm going to go like Philly Dirt Ball. I'm going like Whiz Wit. I'm going like Cheese Whiz, like just fake cheese on a, with a ladle and some fried onions. Awesome. And uh, so this is maybe the one take that I'm going to ask you for, uh, but we, we can have fun with it. Should the sure. 76ers give James Harden a max contract? Oof. They shouldn't, but I would, like, if, if that's what it takes to get him to hang out with me. And like, sure. But um, the good news is, is that it seems like it's going to turn into like a three-year deal, which, um, like, you know, I, I, you know, it's kind of like you don't want to buy a house with James Harden. You want to kind of lease one with him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you, you want to have that out. But you also don't want to, like, just get signed a one-year lease with him because then it's going to get weird, you know, mm-hmm. and he's going to start, like, wanting to move out. So three years is the medium, I would hope, for that. I would give him max money but shorten the years because I just sure. don't know, like, how many – Strip clubs can this guy go to, you know, so. so. <laughs> you need that bumper year in there. there exactly. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite Tasty Cakes? Uh, kind of going to go with the, like the coffee cake, the coffee mm-hmm. cake. Like it's just safe. It's so safe. Classic. Delicious. And then who are your top three Philly athletes after Nick Foles? Mm, that's good. I'm also going to take out Allen Iverson because he's like an obvious because like he's okay. like. Just because it's too it's too obvious. I would just say him. Um, but I'm gonna say Embiid because he's just so funny on Twitter. Like that's most of it. He's incredible at basketball, but I just love that he's funny. Um, Brian Dawkins because he turned into Wolverine like on the field. Um, and then I'm gonna say Randall Cunningham 
because he got me into the game and he used to be like, I don't be like, not that people don't remember, but like he did the wackiest stuff. Like he literally like would escape. He would like handstand to get away from a sack and then throw a touchdown. And he has, the, I think he still has the longest punt in NFL history. So there you go. That's awesome. And I, not to make it about me, but uh, I did get to meet Brian Dawkins once at uh, Hollywood Studios. Uh, he rented a stroller from me. So oh, there you go. <laughs> he was a nice guy a bit because he's always been super a great nice. Guy. Yeah, yep. I immediately yep. recognized him, and I was like, "What name do you want me to put on the back of your shoulder?" Because I assume you don't want yeah, B Doc. Yeah, and, and I don't remember what name he chose, but it's some obscure random name. But yeah, he was sure. super nice. Yeah, sure. Very guys, very large gentleman. Yes, if, I know this, but if you're looking up, just Google uh, Brian Dawkins take your spikes, and there's a video about Brian Dawkins says he wants to take a guy's soul out, and he like <laughs> and he hits this receiver, and he like drops to the ground and says hallelujah. And like the rest of the defense was just like what he did an exorcism like on the field, so you just don't see that stuff. Out. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's not in the NFL anymore. <laughs> no, it's not good it's or not. bad. Not in the NFL. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Good or bad, right? Awesome. So that was the last of my rapid fire questions. I, I think you crushed them. Cool. And uh, so thanks for taking the time to to share a little bit more about you to to everyone. Do you mind sharing? I guess where everyone can find all of your awesome work. Sure. Yeah, as we said, like uh, underscore Jimmy McCormick, uh, because the, you know, it just wasn't available. Um, that's on Twitter. And then, if you just like from there, I have you know my my link to my ESPN stuff. But basically, like it, mostly NBA fantasy stuff, you'll see. And then NFL fantasy is coming around the corner. We have IDP rankings. I, I help curate those, um, and I'll do a couple IDP breakout things. So, you know, just nerdy stuff. But um, it's coming. I just did a draft a couple of nights ago for a magazine. I can't, they still make those. Um, but, but yeah, I mean like it's coming. Like the, I, I was in a draft room and I was like, wow, like nobody wants Julio Jones. So <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> yep. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. So for those of you who are watching on YouTube, make sure you like the video, subscribe to the triple play fantasy channel. We have a lot of great content coming out, not just football. We got baseball and basketball as well. Plus even some movie stuff and some foodies. Um, and then if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you download, subscribe, so you don't miss any of the great episodes and all the great content we have coming out right now to get you ready for football. So thanks again, Jim, and have a great one, everyone. Thanks.